Welcome to the Communicate with Confidence podcast with me, your host, Luke Maxwell. This podcast is dedicated to helping you build confidence, increase your communication skills, and implement practical business strategies. In this episode number 22, we're going to talk about how to think and act like a paid public speaker. Now, I'm going to be kind of going over my one of my last um, public speeches uh, a couple weeks ago where I was at a conference and I thought, okay, let's maximize this conference. Let's make sure that I can do the best possible um, speech that I could that I can do. And so what I did is I started analyzing the conference and these steps, these thoughts, this is the way I want you to think. This is kind of the steps I want you to go through when you're at an event, a conference where there's other speakers. This is a great way to improve your speeches in this kind of situation. So the first thing that I did was I got a layout of the area, I got there early, right? Did a mic test. Got you know a good a good uh, plan. Got it. You know just just felt the space. Got used to the space. This also really helps for alleviating nervousness for those of you who experience nervousness when you're speaking. This can go a long way to help you with that because you're not stepping into an unfamiliar territory. There's less unknowns going in that can really help with the nerves. The second thing I did was I didn't speak first. So, I mean, I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> I actually wish I either went first or second because a lot of the people left during the break, unfortunately. Uh, be- anyway, we're not going to get into the speakers. But I just, I kind of, you know, I analyzed the crowd and the speakers. So what I did is I, I said, okay, let's see what does well. Let's see what doesn't do well. First thing I noticed is that the crowd was very responsive. They were very active. They were participating. They were clapping. They were laughing. So I saw, okay, this is a good crowd. I can tell jokes. I can, you know, wait for applause. If I'm going to say something defiant and, you know, powerful, I can wait and then they'll applaud, right? Gets them active. It gets them motivated. It really helps them listen and remember if they're interacting with you. Second thing I noticed was that one of the speakers started off with a joke Right, that was okay, you know, was, you know, he laughed, whatever. And then he followed that up with a second joke that played off of the first joke, and that was even funnier. So I saw that dynamic of the audience of going, <laughs> and then everybody laughing. And I said, whoa, okay, that worked really well. Let's add that to my speech. So on the fly, I sat there listening to this other speaker. I was up after them. So at about 20 minutes, well, it ended up being about 30 minutes, to... To just to say, okay, this is this is my speech. How can I fit a joke in the beginning? And so I played with the different things. Uh, my my main theme, my crop, my uh, my word that I use, that kind of that I used throughout the speech was crossroads. I was talking about we're at a crossroad. What decisions do you make? It was a talk at a mental health conference, just so you know. And I was speaking about my story. I was speaking about, you know, inspiration and what they can do to make a difference in the lives of the teens around them. So I was speaking about crossroads, about decisions that we have to make. And I was using that uh, theme throughout the speech. It was a pretty, it was a pretty great speech. I have it up actually on YouTube. You can go watch it. The link will be in the show notes at LukeDMaxwell.com/podcast. I highly advise you watch it just to see because I mean I was I'm actually really proud of it, 
And it's definitely one of the better speeches I've given throughout my career. And um, I just, I, I, you, I think you can learn a lot from it. So I, I implemented that in the beginning. So I started off, you know, with my little, with my intro. And then I immediately, right, I implemented a joke that was, you know, like kind of funny. You know, people were, you know, <laughs> and then I followed that up with another joke. And then that actually got the crowd laughing. For those of you wondering, I was, I was in my head, I was thinking, okay, this is the crowd, this is the age, this is the demographic, this is where they are, this is where, I was thinking about all these different factors, and I was trying to think of a joke that would apply to this specific crowd. What I ended up going with, it was in, you know, an older crowd, um, Southern California, and so what I ended up going with was, you know, there's lots of crossroads in your lives, um, the crossroads could be big or small, it could be, you know, it could be small, like, Deciding whether to get regular cheers or honey nut cheers. And, you know, the crowd was like, huh, yeah, you know, something like that. And then I said, or if you're a native SoCal boy like me, it's whether to get that guac on their burrito or not. Is it worth the 150? And that actually got them laughing because if you're not from Southern California, it's, you know, burritos, it's, you know, Mexican food, right? We love it. And deciding whether to get that guacamole on the burrito is just the common struggle. Of course, I know they have burritos elsewhere. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's a pretty, it's it's very, very relevant to Southern California. And uh, that ended up working. Of course, I would like it to work better. Um, but, but, you know, it ended up working, which I was really proud of. The other thing that I noticed was that the other speakers were going long. Not only were they going long, but they're speaking from a very clinical perspective. There was a lot of doctors, psychiatrists, you know, very professionals with their doctorates and, you know, all, you know, PhDs. And, you know, they're very, very professional, right? And I noticed that the crowd was beginning to tire of the education, of being, you know, taught something in a relatively monotone manner. I'm not saying that the speakers aren't good. In fact, most of the speakers were good. Like I know I had absolutely, you know, no issue with the speakers itself. Of course, everyone can improve. But um, yeah, no, I mean this the speakers were good. Yeah, I have no I've no I have I don't I don't think that they were awful, terrible, horrible, not at all. But I noticed that the crowd was getting tired of, you know, the same thing. Because there is there's just there was just a lot of the same. There was four speakers before me. Um, and they all gave Talks about, you know, facts, figures, things are going on, resources, talking about their own company, their own organization. And so I noticed this and I and I decided, okay, I have to be really focused on the motivational part, on the story aspect. I have to really focus on that. I can't focus on like the clinical stuff that I have. So on the fly, I cut out the clinical stuff in my head because I know my speech so well. I know my speech so well. And this is the this speech that I gave was a shortened down, cut down version of my normal, you know, 45 minute to hour long speech. I had, a, they told me I had 20 minutes, so I cut out a lot of the stuff that just, you know, wasn't, wasn't important for, for the crowd. And I shortened just a lot of the, you know, lengthy things that I just delved really deeply into that wasn't necessary. So I planned 20 minute talk. I knew my talk inside and out. I knew it. And, and so I said, okay, I, and in my head, I went, okay, in this, in my first main point, I do a lot about, you know, symptoms, you know, a medical, you know, perspective about what is depression. Okay, I can't, 
I can't give it that way. And so I basically just did a, a shortened version of that and wove it into my story and the story that I that I had, you know, kind of going throughout the talk. And then so not only did I do that, but at the end I said, okay, you know, I can't really give like steps to healing from this. So I have to instead just, you know, make that part of my story. And so what I did is, is I took my speech and I took elements that were, you know, clinical, uh, you know, educational. And I used examples from my own story and other people's stories, you know, that I use in my talk. And I kind of put those facts and figures into the story through through showing, not telling. So for example, I could say um, in regards to that's I don't know, pull, pull um, exercise, exercise. Now, in my normal talk, I talk about the chemical, you know, medical benefits that exercise has for your mental health. And they're actually pretty fabulous. It's amazing. But I, I wasn't going to do that. So instead, I said, instead, I said, instead, instead, I use a story and I said um, something along this shortened version of the story um, that my parents made me exercise every day. And I made it into a, a little bit of a joke. And I just and I just kind of inserted that into my story. See what I'm talking about. So I was able to do this because I knew my talk very, very well. I've been giving it for four years. So I knew my talk so well, I'm able to do that on the fly and keep it all in my head and know where I'm going. The other thing is that when I was looking out in the audience, in the beginning, I noticed, okay, they're, first of all, they're intently listening to me. I noticed that with the other speakers, they were, they were listening, but they were, you know, like applauding in the middle of their speech and, um, you know, like murmuring or like, you know, just like um, reacting in different ways. With my speech, I noticed that they were listening, not so much interacting, which is also good because they're, they're paying attention. <laughs> they're paying attention. So it's great. And so I didn't really, you know, try to like pause and, you know, gain applause, you know, in the middle of my speech. I didn't try to do that at all because I noticed that, okay, they're not they're not really do they're not really interacting a whole lot. They're interacting by listening purely. And so I focused on that. I said, okay, let's not do that. Those are that's that kind of the insight to my mind. Insight into what a paid public speaker thinks like. Now, it'll take time for you to know your speech so well that you're able to do this, to be able to read a crowd so that way you can adjust on the fly. It'll take some time. But that doesn't mean that you can't start now. It doesn't mean you can't start practicing now. What my advice is, what I really want you to take away from this episode is to speak as much as possible. Just do it as much as possible. Offer your services for free everywhere. So that way you can not only build up um, practicing your speech, refining your speech itself, but Build up those that pattern of thinking, the action plan, you know, just the different ways of interacting with the audience, of adjusting on the fly. You can experiment with that. And I highly advise, and sometimes I'll even, I'll do this to myself, is where I'll say, you know, what if I change this? Just on the fly. And I'll, and I'll do it, and I'll try it out, and I'll see if it works. Of course, I'm never doing anything too drastic where it'll make or break my speech. That's just stupid. Don't do that. But small things where... I'll explain things in a different way. I'll rearrange the order of some elements in one of my main points. 
I'll use a different credibility statement. You know, different things like that where I'll judge the reaction of the audience, I'll judge the reaction of the feedback afterwards and the response I get through, you know, social media and email and, you know, different different factors. And I'll see, okay, that works really well. And also it's just a gut feeling. Um, it's a gut feeling and I'm able to also, you know, reinforce that gut feeling with what I mentioned. They're also watching myself speak. I'm able to see, okay, that went really well. That went really well, I'm gonna do that again. Or I can say, ah, oh, that wasn't as great as I thought it would be. And no, of course, no one's noticed. Nobody noticed. Nobody in the audience said, wow, this wasn't as good as I thought it would be. No, because they have nothing to judge you upon unless they've seen you before. And what's funny is that people have seen me multiple times. And one thing they always say, especially when the gap is you know several years, is they'll say, wow, you've gotten so much better. <laughs> and, and because, but here's the thing, the funny thing, is that I remember some of those people, when they first saw me, they said, this is this is absolutely amazing. I can't believe that you're able to speak like this. You're an absolutely amazing speaker. And then fast forward three years and they say, wow, you're so much better. <laughs> and, then, and with the tone and the cadence of, you're like, yeah, you weren't that great before. And and it's just hilarious to see that as they, they had nothing to judge me against. They only had, they only had you know, me as a, they only had other teenagers to judge me against, right? Because I was 17 when I first started speaking. So when they looked at other teenagers, they said, wow, you're great compared to other teenagers. You're good, like you're actually good compared to the other speakers that we've seen, especially like at conferences and events. But fast forward a few years and now they're comparing me against my past self. And now they're able to say, wow, your past self wasn't really that great compared to your future self, compared to the now. And of course, they don't really realize they're, even saying this, I'm able to just extrapolate this information. And it's really helpful to me because I know, first of all, I know I'm improving. And second of all, um, it's just great to see that people in my past, even though I can look at, you know, recordings and be, no, it was just awful and feel like oh, awful about the speech. I can see that nobody else knew that. So those are just, uh, I mean, and there's so much that goes on in my head. <laughs> it never stops. It's really a curse. Um, there's so much that goes on in my head. I'm sure I'll make uh, a couple more videos. In fact, I just had another speech last week. Um, and I and I really drew a lot from that as well. Um, really interesting speech. I'll probably speak about this next Saturday. Um, and it's just, it was, it was a really interesting, really interesting uh, event. Um, I definitely learned a lot from it. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be sharing that next week. That's what I'll be. That's what I'll be doing. And this has been this episode of the Communicate with Confidence podcast. In this little segment, I do, you know, Saturday a speaker. In this case, it was me. And next week, it'll probably be me again, just because I've learned so much from my latest talks. And I just had a bunch of thoughts in my head that I wanted to share with you. You can find show notes and more at lukedmaxwell.com slash podcast. I'll see you tomorrow. And remember to always look on the positive side of things. <laughs>